0: Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. So, as I mentioned once again, it's, it's just uh, been a difficult week. The slaying of the innocents, the most innocent children. And unfortunately, once again, front and center in the headlines. So the question we have is, what do you do? what do you do in the midst of difficulty? What do you do in the midst of grief, in the midst of pain, in the midst of maybe feeling helpless or hopeless? And I ask you the question, is your God big enough to help you in times of your trouble? Is your God big enough to come alongside you and to be what you need in your difficulties, in your trials, in your challenges. Because if he isn't, then your God is not God enough. Then your God is not the God of the universe, the God of the scriptures. And even as I think about back to last week's message... And if you weren't here last week, and we know just from attendance patterns that there is anywhere from 50 to about 80 people who weren't here last week. So if that was you, you want to check out the message. As I think about last week's message and just this week, there's just a lot that's happening. There's a lot of bad that's happening in our country. And I imagine that some of you, maybe all of you, there's some worry and there's some anxiety in your life on some level right now. And I don't know what it is for you, but there might even be, for some of you, actual suffering that's taking place in your life, and you're really hurting. Or maybe you know somebody who is. And Maybe it's bad news from the doctor. Or it's something physical related. Maybe for some of you, these challenges and struggles are financially related. For some of you, it might be relationally. You have some challenges. And others of you, it's spiritual, and there's a spiritual malaise in your life or, or spiritual challenges that are just heavy is your God big enough to help you in times of your trouble and your difficulty and in your pain? God has an answer for us to that question. It's found in Psalm chapter 46. I want to encourage you right now, turn to in your Bibles, if you have a physical one, to Psalm 46. If you don't, pull out your phone, go to the YouVersion Bible app, and you can go to Psalm 46. Our notes are in there also as well. Uh, scholars believe that Psalm 46 was written in 701 B.C. Uh, at this time, at this moment, the evil king Sennacherib of Assyria and his t- over 200,000 plus men military or army are standing outside the city of Jerusalem, having laid siege to the city of Jer- Jerusalem, ready to attack This army of Assyria is the most brutal, vicious, and destructive army the world had ever known up to that point in time. And so the Israelites are inside their city walls in absolute fear of what's going to happen next, of what's coming next. And it's into that situation that the psalmist writes And let's read it together. It says, Psalm chapter 46, verse 1, it says this. It says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Interesting. They're in this situation. God says, so he says, so we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God. That's this city, Jerusalem. The sacred most of the home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. I want you to think about that. You're hearing these words and you're in that city, enemy around you. God dwells in that city. It can't be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. And then it goes on and says in verse 7, it says, The Lord of heaven's armies, not the Assyrian army, the Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. So come and see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And then he says this. So, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation and I will be honored throughout the world. Imagine what those words must have meant to those who are under siege in Jerusalem. Imagine how they receive those. You're under attack by the most efficient and most effective and most feared military of all time up to that point. How many of you have ever seen the movie Taken with Liam Neeson? Raise your hand. You've seen like Taken 1, 2, 3, 4, whatever they're up to, 10? Now, if you saw that movie, you remember there was a line in there that said, that ba- he basically said this, he said, I have a very particular set of skills. Remember that line, like the first time you heard that, you're like, man, it even sent chills down your back. That was the Assyrian army. They had a very particular set of skills. They had the most advanced army that you could ever imagine up to that time. They had the most advanced training up to that time. To chop it all off, they were brutal beyond measure. When they attacked, their goal wasn't just to destroy. Their goal was to humiliate the people. Their goal was to devastate the people who would stay alive. So they used psychological warfare before, during, and after their their military campaigns. And they didn't have paper like we have. They didn't have little leaflets they could could drop uh, from airplanes upon the people that, that they would attack. What they would do is take tablets And they would take these tablets and they would have them delivered to the cities that they were going to be attacking. And on these tablets were were images and pictures carved out of what the Assyrian army was going to do to the people in that city that they were getting ready to attack. The the Assyrian army, we have these tablets, you can see them today. Uh, They're pulling out people's beards. They're they're sticking their their hands down their enemies' throats and kind of, it looks like they're reaching in and pulling out. It shows them beating captives' heads in and what was involved in that. On these tablets, they would show the people they took captive, show them being impaled. The Assyrians really were the inventors of that. And without getting too graphic, you can just maybe kind of imagine a spear or sword was taken and and put up the backside of a person, run through their body, stood up, and then where they would suffer... Until they died. that was really the original crucifixion that the Romans eventually perfect. Their brutality knew no limits. They would skin prisoners alive. Cutting off body parts was just what they did. They would take noses and ears that they cut off, and they would put them as necklaces around, around their necks so they could just declare their dominance. I can't mention to you what they would do to women and children. We can't talk about that. In, in, in company like this. Brutal. A particular set of skills. You can imagine 200,000 Liam Neesons surrounding this city. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, had already, before they got here, they had already ransacked 46 cities in Israel and destroyed them and, and took the plunder. And you have these 200,000 plus men now standing outside the city of Jerusalem. And the people inside are terrified. That's the context of Psalm 46. And the people inside, they feel utterly hopeless knowing they can't defend themselves against such a brutal and ruthless enemy. But it's in the midst of that, God gives the people a glimmer, a spark of hope. And 2,700 years later, God gives you and I a hope. A glimmer of hope for us, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're experiencing ourselves now. Let's reread this verse. Again, who is God? Is your God big enough? And it says here, Psalm 46:1, God is our refuge and our strength. Somebody say strength. Strength. He's our strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. 200,000 men at your gates. And they're told, God is your refuge, he's your strength, he's your refuge. And I love the phrase there, he's always ready. Listen, the moment you're in trouble, God's there. He's ready. Your situation never catches God off guard. He's not sitting there going, hey, oh my goodness, the Assyrian army, where'd they come from? Gabriel, you know, Michael, how did you not tell me about this? God wasn't surprised of what was happening. Another translation says it this way. God is our ever-present help in time of troubles. Say ever-present. Ever-present, ever-present help in times of trouble. It's the Hebrew words nimsa miod. Say nimsa. a Nimsa. I like that word. Uh, uh, it's a word like I'm thinking, it's a word you'd use like with your dog, right, when you're angry at him. Get over here, you little nimsa, right? It just kind of has that sound to it, you little nimsa. And Mark's laughing because he knows that's going to be my new word for the next year. Uh, I get a word stuck in my head, but anyway. So, nimsa is the Hebrew word that means to be discovered, to be encountered, to be experienced. In other words, I can tell you about the attributes of God and who he is, but I really can't. There's no words that can describe it. You have to experience it. It is so good. Who God is and his help and his presence is so good. I I can't, I don't have words. You personally have to encounter it and experience it yourself. I can tell you about my trips, going to the Grand Canyon, hiking down in, staying the night, hiking back out. But unless you experience it, no matter what I say, it's not going to do it justice. Unless you see that, go into that, see God's beauty, it won't mean much. To you, I could tell you about Hezekiah's tunnel. Hezekiah was the king when Psalm 46 was written, when Sennacherib was out there, so he was the king of Israel. And I could tell you about that tunnel. That that uh, they were shorter back then, and so they dug this tunnel out through the rock so that they could water could be carried through the city. And and I could tell you about it being hunched over. It's pitch dark. You have your little light on, and you're walking like this. It's just as wide as your body. And, and you're walking through, uh, it's about a third to a half of a mile long, deep underground. And the water's between your knees and your, and your um, waist, because that's what it was. It was a water tunnel that was built. Phenomenal. One of the coolest things I've ever done. I could tell you about that. But it's not going to do it justice. You have to experience it yourself. You have to encounter it yourself. NIMSA, you have to experience it. It's my prayer today for some of you that no matter what you're experiencing, no matter what you're going through, that you would experience the very real presence of God. That you would know God that he would be, and you would know it and feel it and experience it, that he is your ever-present help in your times of troubles, that you would encounter God. This is my prayer, that you would encounter God in such a way you can't even describe it. And maybe you've been a Christian for years and years, but you now say, I, I, I just, I've never had this type of encounter, and I want that. And you go and have that with God, and you go, oh, that's experiencing God. Nimsa miad miad is the word that tries to describe the presence of God that you're experiencing and here's what it means it means exceedingly abundant it means exceedingly much so much so that one author calls it the muchness of God the muchness of God there's so much of God's goodness that words can't even describe it. In other words, this passage literally means that in our times of trouble, God overflows with his exceedingly abundant provision, help, and strength. So much so, you can't even describe it, and even what you can imagine or think or describe, it's even more than that, the muchness of God. And that's what God does. He comes along and he helps. He's our ever-present help. But the question is, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for us right now in our own context? And maybe we are facing our own enemies, and our own enemies may not be an army, but man, maybe some of us, we're dealing with some like crazy family. And we have crazy family members, and it's just a struggle, and we're dealing with them. Or, Or maybe for some of us, we're dealing with something else in our life, and God is our ever-present help in times of our trouble. And maybe for you, it's, we're going through this lingering pandemic, or now maybe it's an endemic. Is God your ever-present help in times of trouble as you're going through that and you're just feeling unsafe? Or maybe you're going through these circumstances and you feel like your job is insecure, Maybe your marriage is hanging by a thread. Maybe there's some other relationship you're in that's really struggling. What does it mean for you that God is your ever-present help in time of trouble when you are going through your challenges? Maybe it's you're dealing with the thought that your children are growing up in a world that you didn't grow up in, and you are so full of fear right now. And maybe you stay awake at night or wake up in the morning, and you wonder what is in store for them. What does it mean that God is your ever-present help in times of trouble when your faith is a little rocky? Nimsa Miod means that our God is exactly what you need when you need him. But he's also so much more. Nimsa Miod, your ever-present help in times of trouble. No matter that your trouble is still there, God is there and even present even more. You see, the goodness of God, it can't be explained. It's got to be experienced, no matter what you're going through. And God is ex- exactly, precisely, specifically what you need in that moment. And yet, Nimsa he's so much more. So who is God for you in your moment of need? Who is he right now for you? If you're anxious, God is your peace, Man, if you're hurting right now, your God is your comforter. If you're lacking right now, God is your provider. If you've sinned against this holy and righteous God, God is your righteousness. Man, he's your salvation. He's your strength when you feel like you just don't have what it takes. God is your hope when you're hopeless. And if you're feeling like you're in a dark place, he is your light. Whatever your trouble is, he is, Scripture says here, your shield, your righteousness, your fortress, it says, your rock, your defender. doesn't matter what you're going through. God is exactly what you need, but he's also so much more. Nimsa Miod. I love the power of verse 6 and 7 as it goes on, and it says this. It says, verse 6, it says, the nations are in chaos. Sounds like reading the headlines today, right? Nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. Why? Because God's voice thunders and so the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Imagine you're hearing that and you're surrounded and you hear that God is with us. God is among us. And I think about Jesus. And Jesus, let's go to the Christmas story. What is Jesus referred to or called in Isaiah? He's called Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. You see, God didn't just shout out from heaven and and share his love by telling us from heaven. He showed us his love through Jesus coming, dying on a cross for our sins so that we could live forever and experience eternal life. Where do you turn and find comfort? And you find that comfort in the Lord, in the truth. That he is among us in the truth that the Lord of heaven's armies is here and he is our fortress. In other words, God, our God, is big enough to run the whole universe, to handle everything outside of these walls, but he also is loving enough that he cares about every person right here who's listening to this or who's online and watching online. Big enough to handle the world, the universe, everything but loving enough to care about the, the details of your life, having that intimacy with God. He cares about you. He loves you. The power, the presence of God is beyond what we can grasp, but the love of God is right there for us. And I can't just tell you about how good that is. You've got to experience it. And God wants you to experience him in that way. In fact, the verse goes on in verse 8 and says, it says, come and see. Come and see the glorious works of the Lord. Come and see. You know what he's saying? Open your heart to him. Open your life to God. Lean into God. Cling to God. Press into God with whatever you're going through. James chapter 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God. When you do that, when you say, I'm going to draw near to God and press into him, God will draw near to you. Whenever you draw near to God, he's there, he's ready, and he'll draw near to you. When you cry out, he will step towards you. When my kids were little, the moment they would cry out, Daddy, I need you, in that moment, man, I'd I'd reach down and I'd pick them up and I'd take them in my arms and I would be there for them. I'd drop everything, even to this day with having grown children now. If they reach out and say, hey, dad, I need your help, or dad, I I need you right now. If they do that, man, I'll drop anything. I'll drop it all, and I'm there for them in that moment without a doubt. Except it's summer, so not during water ski season. I'll have to have them wait until I'm done skiing. But after that, I'm still there for them. Nimsa he's there for us. He delights in drawing near to us. And he wants us to experience him, and what you experience is going to even, he's even so much more than that. Psalm 46, 1 again. God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in, tr- in times of trouble. I can't just tell you about it. You've got to experience God yourself, and he wants you to experience him. Okay, that's the good part of this passage. Now comes a part of the passage I don't like. I don't like this next scripture. And I don't know about, anybody here have passages of scripture you don't like? And raise your hand. Okay, a couple of you, the rest of you allegedly holy ones, you've just never read the Bible. (laughs) Seriously, because if you've really read it, there's going to be parts you wrestle with and you struggle with. You're like, man, God, my flesh, me, I want to do this and you tell me to do that. And so I wrestle with this passage, but that's what being a Christian is, it's surrendering to the Lordship of Christ, even in the areas that doesn't make sense to us. And so, man, I struggle with this passage. So let's reset the stage. 701 BC, you have this army, 200,000 strong, the the most brutal the world had ever known outside the city of Jerusalem. And ever since you were a little kid, you had heard about this army and they're here now and you're terrified. And you realize, man, I don't have the power to protect my family. I don't have the power right now to do something to help them. My wife, my kids, I don't have the power to stop what's coming next. And in that moment, here's what God says. God is our ever-present help in times of trouble, and then God tells us what to do in that city. He says, here's what I want you to do. Psalm 46, verse 10, be still. Be still. Whoa, 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 Time out, God everything that i value everything i love everything that matters to me everything i've tried to build that now is all jeopardized and you're telling me everything i was designed to do to step in to fix to take care of something to protect to strive to fight for and you're telling me be still stand down you see i don't know about you but one of the reasons i don't like to be still is because when i'm still I can't contribute. When I'm still, I can't be in control. When I'm still, it's really meaning my voice has no opinion. When I'm still, I can't fix anything. When I'm still, I can't make a difference. Be still. Be still. And then God says, be still and know that I am God. No, not just intellectually. No, experience Nimsa mead. Be still and know that I am God. In other words, there are some battles that only the Lord can win. And there are some times in our life, and there are some seasons in our life where our only assignment is to be still and know that he is God. Notice the text doesn't say be worried and know that he is God. Notice it doesn't say, be freaked out. And no, he's got to be anxious. It doesn't say, be worried. It doesn't say, be an idiot on social media. It doesn't say any of that. It says, be still. That's the Hebrew word, rafa. And it means to be quiet. You ready for this? It means to relax. It literally means to give yourself a break. God is telling somebody right now in the Chris translation, Chill out. Chill out. Relax. This one isn't yours. What you're going through right now, whatever that may be, God might be telling you right now, this isn't yours. This situation, it's above your pay grade to handle. It's above your IQ. It's above your financial situation. It's above your spiritual context. It's above your circle of friends that are there to encourage you and support you. This one, there are just some battles. They're the Lord's, and they're all the Lord's. And your assignment, your role, your responsibility, your job is to chill out, to sit, to relax, to be still. To be still and to know that he is God. To know that the God of the universe, the creator of it all, who, who is up so far above us, is also so loving that he's right here with us and wants to help us be still and know. That doesn't come by reading about it. It doesn't come by listening to me share it. That only comes by you experiencing it. Be still. Be quiet. So, your fathers, mothers, and children surrounded by 200,000 plus army. Sennacherib and his Assyrian army. Strongest army in the world. What happens next to the Jerusalemites? Well, write this down. 2 Chronicles chapter 32 and 2 Kings chapter 19. Go read it this week. See the details. It's the same story, two different in- interpretations or versions. So the Assyrians planned their attack. King Hezekiah, the Hezekiah tunnel thing I told you about that you've got to experience. The king of Jerusalem, he prayed one simple prayer. He, one prayer. He said, Lord, rescue us. God said, be still and know that I am God. And Hezekiah just said, Lord, rescue us. What did the God who is always ready, ever present in our times of trouble, what did he do? Well, the king prayed. And what did God do? God sent one. Somebody say one. God sent one angel. Not a legion of angels, not his 10 best and brightest angels. God sent one angel. And I wish scripture was a little more descriptive. But he sent one angel. And all we know is that one angel wiped out 185,000 Assyrians. One angel who had a particular set of skills. <laughs> I can't. It just took one. Because God is exactly what you need and he's so much more. So much more. He's big enough, he's powerful enough to run it all. And he's loving enough to step into your situation and provide you with your one. What is your one today? Maybe for you, it's, you just need one touch from God. Maybe for you, you need one angel to show up. Maybe for you, it's one word. Perhaps for you, it's one sermon and God speaking to you. Perhaps for you, it's one evening with your small group. Perhaps for you, it's one moment, you and the Lord going through your daily reading. And whatever it is, in just that one moment, God wants to move and wants to act, and he wants to have an encounter with you. So, Rafa, be still. Just have one moment in his presence. Be still. Be still, Mom. Be still, Dad. Be still, still, grandparent, and know that he is God. God went on and declared in verse 10, I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored or exalted throughout the world. So my question for you is, what do you need? What do you need right now? What do you need God to be right now for you, whatever you're going through in this moment? Because our God is exactly what you need, and he's so much more. And he wants to have an encounter with you. And he wants to have an experience with you. So I want to invite you right now. We're going to take a moment and we're going to silence ourselves. We're going to slow down. And we're going to honor God as he is exactly what we need. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.